um, something that doesn't change is you, know, you, you depending on God and, and the power of prayer. And uh, he sets those divine appointments up. And uh, it's just amazing to see how he works and everybody that has different skill sets and different personalities. But we all have one common goal is to be God's hands and feet and um, come in and just love on people. And uh, it always it works out. And it's just amazing. Welcome to another episode of On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse, a podcast taking you to the front lines and behind the scenes of our work around the world. This January, Samaritan's Purse launched two emergency field hospitals in the United States, both in response to COVID-19. As cases are surging across the country, we are on the front lines supporting local healthcare systems with added capacity. One is in North Carolina and the other is in California. I was able to visit our North Carolina field hospital while our team was still in the build phase. It was incredible to watch a parking lot be transformed into a top-line medical facility. On New Year's Day, we transported a 30-bed emergency field hospital from our warehouse to Caldwell Memorial Hospital in Lenore, North Carolina. This response is in our own backyard, only 45 minutes from our international headquarters. We are supporting five hospital systems in Western North Carolina. Just to give you a picture of the need, while I was on the ground, one of the five hospitals reported that their normal daily census is about 55 patients. On that day, they had more than 100 patients come in. They were overwhelmed and were so grateful for the opportunity to partner with them. These statistics are alarming. After months of constant patience and overwhelm, it is an honor to help alleviate some of the burden. Right now, as I'm talking, doctors and nurses on our Disaster Assistance Response Team, or DART, are treating patients and bringing hope in Jesus' name. This episode will explore what it takes to set up the emergency field hospital so that our talented medical workers can minister care in Jesus' name. So today, we want to focus on how a feat like this is even possible. So I drove down to witness it for myself. That curve, that curve right there is not actually... And when I showed up, I couldn't believe the work that was being done. Nearly 50 Samaritan's Purse DART were working to build a fully functioning specialized respiratory care unit. And then we're going to build over here admin, uh, our uh, like a supply tent or whatnot. Tent, tent tents total, a combination between the airframe tents and... I had never seen such intense, focused, and seamless teamwork. It was difficult to pull them away from their tasks at hand, and I could tell that they wanted to get back to work. But I was able to hear from a few team members who are making it possible. My name is Eric Timmons. Um, I work as the operations manager in the International Health Unit. And throughout this year, you know, on the podcast, we've been able to talk with medical professionals and, and talk about what the field hospitals are doing for the patients. But today we wanted to share what all is required in order to get the hospital up and running. So I was wondering if you could give an overview. Here we are on day four, right, of setup. What does the week look like to get this hospital working? Can you maybe well, give an overview? Yeah, of course. Up to this point, uh, the obvious thing we do initially is uh, lay the site out and make sure it's, it's, it's good for us to bring in our equipment and tents. Then we lay out the tents, and then we put all of the uh, plants together for, like, electric. We have to lay electric. Uh, environmental control, like heat, air conditioning, if that's what we need. Um, we do uh, oxygen if we need to, and especially here we've done oxygen. We set up also uh, services for taking care of patients. 
put the wards together, put beds in there, lighting in there, uh, monitors for patient care, and again, oxygen there. And uh, then we do other things like make sure that we have a system in place to feed them. Here we have uh, showers for them, mobile um, restaurant, uh, restrooms, heads um, to, uh, for personal comfort. And then all of the other support services, logistics, we have to have medical supplies available for them. Other things such as um, uh, other things like toilet paper, you know, uh, water, all of those things for both patients and then for staff. Um, I have to look at security as well, um, transportation to move people and uh, potentially patients around, although we don't normally do that. So all of these services and all the things that are necessary for us to then start seeing patients and all the, the things that have to happen. And it's pretty complex. I mean, it's a lot of moving parts. We have a lot of people that are involved with different uh, skill sets, logistics, biomedical repair, electricians, build folks. Then the clinical folks are also working to prepare and plan for receiving and treating patients 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so we have to look at all those systems and processes that, that uh, allow us to do that. So it's a pretty, uh, pretty intense movement and activity when we get started and then we get uh, set up and then uh, we move to uh, start seeing patients. And our plan is to do that in the middle of the week. And so I'm sure, I mean, obviously there's been emergency field hospitals set up after an earthquake. I mean, after a huge disaster, um, this is the middle of a pandemic. So each circumstance is different that brings the hospital to the area, but um, the need is the same. You know, you need to provide medical care. Um, so is there a checklist or a, I guess, certain day-to-day -day required to get the hospital running? Um, we, we do, we follow a general um, process and flow. And I do have checklists, although um, a lot of times that's born out of, we, we have experienced people that know how this process works. It all is, is very much related or contingent on where we're going and what kind of support services I have access to. Here, like for example, I had access to trailers, you know, so I don't have to uh, fabricate uh, latrines or showers. I've had to do that in other responses. So it's very much, every response is so different that it has its own unique requirements and needs. All of this process is done by what we call the first wave, or the first responders on our DART that assist the initial setup. There were so many different roles working together to build and prep for this fully functioning hospital in the middle of a local hospital's parking lot. Even the doctors and nurses rolled up their sleeves to help build the field hospital and put in hard work. Uh, my name is Regina Randolph. I'm a nurse. Um, I do whatever they ask me to do when I come. Um, on this deployment, I'm a nurse manager. And how many responses have you, or how many deployments have you been with Samaritans First? This is my 11th. So you have been all over the world. You've responded, because um, here we are day four, they're setting up the emergency field hospital. And so, you know, medically, the work hasn't begun. Have you, have you been here like this before, or do you come in and help once the hospital's running? Uh, every time. Uh, we call it first wave. Uh, I'm a first wave person. It's my favorite part. Um, when you're here for the first few weeks, you are um, part of setup. That's my favorite part because um, everybody works together to do the same thing. And none of us have um, jobs or levels or any of that that usually separates us. Um, we're all doing the same thing, uh, trying to get to the same goal, and it is a very bonding time. 
um, you meet lifelong friends doing this, especially in those first few weeks. So, and it's funny how the, the waves change. Uh, second and third wave are different because they're more fragmented. Uh, people come, people go, but you know, usually those of us who come to begin with are here for the, um, the same period of time. And so it's just a very bonding time. I know I love how you said that because it's truly the body of Christ. You know, it's like when Corinthians says, like, you couldn't work without the eye. The hand needs the ear. You know, it's all needed for, to accomplish the work for the Lord. Um, and but, but I love because people are brought here for certain specialties. But yet they take off that hat and do what's required. Um, so how have you seen that happen? Because obviously we're in day four. Um, but there's restrictions, there's, you know, there's challenges. I think everywhere people say, no matter where you are, you know, in the middle of nowhere in a war zone or here in the United States with all the resources, there's still, um, I guess, restrictions, limitations, things that come up and maybe your goal for the day has been diverted. So how have you watched the Lord, I guess, step in, you know, when there are those weaknesses or those um, setbacks? And how have you watched people just obediently, faithfully follow the Lord and, and let Him show up? I think it's more about people's attitudes than anything else. Um, every dart I've ever been on, the challenges are completely different. And they're different here because we're in the U.S. But what happens is, is the people that are working together to do this, they are in a spirit of unity. Um, and we all know we're working towards a common goal. So people just don't have the limitations that they put on themselves in their normal um, situation setting. They just let go of all that. And they say, I'm here to serve the Lord. And they're just very willing open and one of the things that we say about dart uh, they teach you in the dart training is to be flexible <laughs> i love the way that samaritan's purse and everything they do represents the body of christ each person on the ground had their specific role yet they were willing to help in any capacity needed i mentioned first corinthians 12 in my conversation with regina and watching Samaritan's Purse staff come together made me think of this passage describing the diversity in the body of Christ. So let me read uh, 1 Corinthians 12 through 21. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, they were all given to the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. I love how each person helping brought a different gift and expertise. All were needed and necessary to accomplish the task at hand. One of the very specific and vital roles I learned about was WASH, or water sanitation and hygiene. My name is Kate Holmberg, and I am a WASH engineer with Samaritan's Purse. So essentially, it's my role to implement systems that 
take care of the water, sanitation, hygiene on the site. And this can include uh, plumbing the facility for fresh water and uh, gray water or dirty water, uh, installing sinks, ensuring that there's a supply of drinking water on site, um, along as making sure we're following proper hygiene practices like hand washing and making sure that there are resources available to do that along with sanitation so um, restroom facilities and whatnot are operational and I feel like we've talked with a lot of, throughout COVID we've talked to a lot of the medical staff about the hospitals but we wanted to kind of inform the audience about what's required to get this up and running so what all has WASH required in order to get the hospital running a lot of pipes. <laughs> um, basically, our main activity with WASH right now is just getting the infrastructure in place. So we have three different systems that have to be plumbed. We have been uh, designing layouts for the pipe system to make sure that we're going to have the proper flows um, that we need and the correct temperatures and whatnot. Um, we're starting to design the like, dosage for the chlorine so that we can properly disinfect things as well. But even beyond those three systems, we're also involved with the donning and doffing process for PPE. So we've been developing a safe system by which to do that. And then we need, we have been working on building up the infrastructure to do that donning and doffing. So setting up the entire system, uh, making sure it's quite streamlined and smooth so that people can do it properly when, you know, they've been working for 12 hours. That's what I heard over and over from each person I talked to. We should serve well so others can serve the patients well. They truly lived out Colossians 3.17, which says, and whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Starting off, and especially the early days, uh, you know, build and just the strategy of setting up the tense position, uh, restrooms, water, wash, those are so vital, right, to set the foundation to what's to come so that the nurses and doctors uh, can function with ease and without thinking of those things, right? And so in a lot of ways, those first groups and these guys who are working around you right now, as you can hear them, uh, in electricity, uh, those guys, you know, we, we're, we're getting to serve those who are to come to serve more, right? And so uh, we do it with joy. And, and hopefully the best we can uh, so that those who come to work in this pharmacy or, 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 or these supplies don't have to think about these things, right? And they can flow and work and care uh, for the, the patients that come in. Because of their hard work and servants' hearts, God's love will be shown to each patient who is brought into the field hospital. Their goal is to act as Jesus' hands and feet and as they continue to exhaust themselves, God is renewing them day by day. Um, something that doesn't change is uh, you, you're dependent on God and, and the power of prayer. And uh, he sets those divine appointments up. And uh, it's just amazing to see how he works and everybody that has different skill sets and different personalities, but we all have one common goal is to be God's hands and feet and um, come in and just love on people. And uh, it always, it works out and it's just amazing. And I'm sure that's part of what keeps you coming back because this is not easy. You know, it's not easy to have to drop everything when you get the call at, that a response is happening. Um, so I'm sure that that's hard, but watching God work, how has your faith changed by responding and what keeps you coming back every time? It's, um, <clears throat> the best way I could describe it is uh, if you take an onion 
and you got different layers. So every dart in every spiritual walking season, uh, God has shown me a different layer and just getting down into the core of, uh, of where he wants me at and how he wants me to use my gifts and stuff to be his hands and feet. Um, I don't, and that's why I come back is I want to challenge myself and, uh, and I just want to be completely dependent on God. And when you go overseas and you're going into um, the areas that we serve, either it be a war zone or after a natural disaster or humanitarian crisis, I'm like, you're going in and you're depl- you're just at his feet. You're de- you're completely dependent on him to make things happen. And it's just exciting to know that people are going to come in here. Um, the pandemic this past year has been something nobody's experienced, and um, you, you're, you're broken. You have the, you know you're you're battling. You're having all kinds of uh, mixed emotions to know that you're coming here and you're getting loved on and. Um, prayed over and uh it's just it's just amazing to know that the people that's going to come through here to to feel god's love and uh, to know that um they're not alone that they have a heavenly father that cares about them and uh and that loves them and what just an amazing thing the lenore emergency field hospital took five days to build from the build team electrical wash logistics medical and everything in between they're now accepting covid19 patients for treatment here are a few specific ways they've asked us to partner in prayer. Just to continue and hold us up in God's provision, first and foremost, which we have. It's been, he's been very faithful to us. Just continue to pray for uh, uplifting and, and continue to send us people and allow us to have those things that we needed to respond. I, I just, it is stressful, but just ask us to, you know, to be with us when when we're down or when we're stressed or when we're frustrated or when we have hurdles. Just ask for continued provision for us, that's all. I believe we just need to truly not be focused on this pandemic. We need to be focused on Christ and we need to um, realize that He is in control and He is going to walk us through this. So pray that we will recognize that on a daily basis, that it is not us, that it is Him, and that He does have a plan here. Help us to recognize that and to pray that the Holy Spirit will be very present here, very present in these uh, tents that we're gonna be operating in. And um, also for uh, safety and health, you know, because part of the problem that's going on around the world is that healthcare workers are getting sick with COVID also. And sometimes it's not just about being terribly sick, but then you have to quarantine and that takes you out of service. So pray that none of us would contract the disease while we're here. Thank you for helping us pray for the Lenore Emergency Field Hospital, for those who have helped build it, for those who will provide care through it, and for those who will be patients inside the hospital. Just as this team built a field hospital and are now accepting patients, we're doing the same thing in Southern California. Please pray for the first wave of DART that are choosing to serve in Jesus' name. Also today, I want you to hear about the logistics, what it takes to build an emergency field hospital. But if you want to hear more about what happens inside the unit once we start caring for patients, I encourage you to go back to our podcast episode, Inside the Hot Zone. From early November, you'll be able to hear from some of our precious patients who are fighting COVID-19 in the Bahamas, as well as some of our incredible medical staff who served so selflessly. 
as always, if you'd like to be updated and get more information on our emergency field hospital responses, go to our website, SamaritansPurse.org. There's always news, information, and stories about how God is working. And check out the link in our show notes if you're interested in joining our DART. Thanks again for tuning in and have a blessed week.